Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. The Pharisees are getting more aggressive in their plot against Christ as the day draws close. And in today's Gospel, they send some of their disciples along with the Herodians to trap Jesus in a question about taxes. We all complain about taxes. What's the big deal here in this trap that they're setting? Well, the issue of taxes is a big deal, a very big deal. In fact, it was central to the Jews' case against Christ at his arrest. They accused Jesus of setting up his own kingdom in opposition to Caesar, and that accusation centered actually around taxes. As Luke tells us, they accused him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay the tribute tax to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. So this whole tax issue was at the very heart of their trap to destroy Christ. When Jesus was just a young boy, the Romans had imposed a census tax on the Jews, which, to say the least, was not received well. And in response, there was a bloody revolt that was led by Judas the Galilean, the revolt eventually ended, but the conflict between Jews and the Romans did not. And here we are in today's passage, some 25 years later, and the resentment is still fresh. The tax was seen by the Jews as a usurping of God's divine authority, and also kind of like a return to a kind of slavery, reminiscent of the slavery they suffered under the Egyptians. This tax also had religious overtones. On the coin, Caesar is depicted as God. There's a coin that we've seen issued by Pilate that had a priest's staff and an inscription which speaks of the Son of God and High Priest. From the state's perspective, the tax was an issue of their divine right. For the Jews, it was a question of who they were going to bow down to, to God or to Caesar. When the Herodians came and said to Jesus, we know you teach the way of God in truth. That was a lie. <laughs> that was a bold-faced lie. They didn't mean that at all. They had come to destroy him. They were wicked in their approach. They came to trap him and destroy him. The trap was that if Jesus responded by saying, uh, don't pay the tax, the Herodians could have him arrested for insurrection. If he said, pay the tax then his own people would turn against him for recognizing Caesar as God. So Jesus asked to see a coin, and they show him a coin. And he says, oh, so you have a coin. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? Out of your own purse? You carry these, do you? The first point Jesus makes 
is that they have a coin because they use the coin. They, out of practicality, live in the world and they make use of the things of the world. Even the coinage of an evil tyrant who seeks to usurp God's authority. You hypocrites, he says. There's a whole message in this, just in that one little incident. A really important message. A whole message about how we are to live in the world. How we are to interact with the world. It's a message that's taken up many times in other passages of Scripture. An important message. A message we need to understand. That we need to get. Which is evidenced by scrupulous ideologues on the one hand. And those without any scruples on the other. And everybody in between who's sort of confused about these things. Christ is saying something here. What is his message to this question? Just before we answer that. (laughs) The Herodians show him the coin. And Jesus says, whose image and inscription is on this? And they replied, Caesar's. And then he says to them that memorable line that we all know, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard that, they marveled and they left him and went on their way. So the Herodians are trying to draw Jesus into a political debate about the relationship between church and state. With nefarious purposes, they're trying to trap him in this debate. He doesn't bite. He doesn't go for it. He deflects, rather. He sidesteps their trap. And he does it in a masterful way. But his answer, his deflection, was not just to avoid the trap they set. The way he answered does not simply avoid arrest or him being discredited. He is, after all, the divine teacher. And in a great economy of words, he gets to the very heart of a very important issue. How are we to exist in the world and not be part of the world? How should we live as Christians? What is the place of our convictions, our ideologies, our scruples, our faith (coughs) in this world. The great irony, or a great irony to me anyway, is that many Christians, when they read and study this passage, miss the very point, the essential point, that Christ is making when he answers the Herodians. And in fact, they fall right into the Herodians' trap. By misunderstanding Christ. They think that Jesus is giving us a teaching. A profound teaching. A philosophy. On the relationship between church and state. When in fact that is not what concerns him here. That is not what this is about. In fact his answer is to emphasize precisely the opposite of that. The intent of Jesus In this now famous response, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God, is to say, you are asking the wrong questions. You are concerned and worked up about all the wrong things. He is saying, this is a distraction 
a red herring, which, by the way, is one of the enemy's primary and most successful weapons to keep us from the light. This obsession is blinding you from what is really important. They, we, are so often focused on temporal concerns while Christ is constantly pointing us to eternal concerns. We are preoccupied so, so often with the very wrong things, the wrong questions, the wrong issues. We're anxious about so many things that just don't matter. The secret, the one secret, as I'm sure you're probably tired of hearing me say, the one thing that matters, and only one thing, is what does God care about? What does he want? I mean, we're facing, I'm going to throw in this little aside here. As we are growing, we might really just love the idea of a church of 80 people or 125 people. That might appeal to us. That's nice. We like that. I like that. But that is irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. The only question that we should be asking is, what is God calling us to? That's it. Jesus in this passage is not giving us a philosophy of church-state relations. He is saying something about it. But what he's saying, the message that's coming through, if you know how to read between the lines, is a degree of indifference to this apparent preoccupation which distracts us from the real question of our life. So, the attitude that he's communicating here is, go ahead, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Fine. You know, we've got to be practical about that. You have to live in this world. You just got to deal with it. Do what you got to do. But let's get to the real message. And this is a big one, a really important one, one that is deadly serious. It's the message that gets him killed, that gets the apostles killed, that brings every follower of Christ unto death. Not the death from Roman persecutors, but death in the waters of baptism. What is the real message here? After he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, he goes on to say, but give to God what belongs to God. There's the rub. And that begs the question, what is God's? And there's a simple and radical answer to that. Everything. Everything belongs to God. Most importantly, you belong to God. And Jesus uses this coin to make the point. Just as the image of Caesar is stamped on the coin, so God's image is stamped on you. He uses the same word here, image, as is used in the Septuagint in Genesis chapter 1, where it says we are made in the image of God. We are not our own. We are not self-generating, self-preserving, self-directed, self-answering. Not independent beings, free from debt and obligation. Yes, we have to get along in this world. So, you know, keep your scruples, but be practical about it. And don't give in to scrupulosity. Don't become an ideologue. Have some convictions. But what's really important and what really matters is what you owe God. So what do you owe him? 
How much do you have to pay? Well, we are God's own personal possession. His pocket change, St. Peter says. <laughs> and we are to render him our everything. Absolutely everything. We cannot hold back one little thing that we remain in control of. We give it all to him. You know the other little irony in this whole story? <laughs> this all that we owe him? That includes your money, too, by the way. So even the coin with Caesar's face on it, that's not Caesar's, that's God's, too. He just says, you know, so you don't get thrown in jail, you need to go ahead and give him what's necessary. But that's really his. Your money represents your life which belongs to God. You know all that time and energy you spend going to school, learning your trade, on the, you know, the, in the rat race, accumulating, earning. All that belongs to God. That's your life. That belongs to God. All of it. So, let Caesar have some of it. Fine. Whatever he needs. God says you can use some. No, I mean, you got to eat, go on vacation every once in a while, have some entertainment, but it's his. It's all his. Our true citizenship is in the kingdom of God, which is his church. This world and all of its systems are passing away. Whatever we give to God, whatever we give to God with love and faith will remain as a reward for you in heaven. So render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But give to God the things that are God's. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.